Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right, what's going on? Welcome to Cannell and Bell. Hanging out on Monday. Monster weekend. Ton of stuff we got to get to. A lot of different uh, storylines we want to hit on. Major League Baseball, more drama. With a little brawl, we're yeah. gonna break that down like blow by blow. Yeah, we'll, we'll like discuss that. Climactic brawl. Nick Saban made some interesting comments uh, out of Alabama about players leaving early. I think he's right on some of it, wrong on others. And Antonio Brown keeps acting a fool. Uh. We'll get to that too, which isn't really a huge surprise. Uh, we're gonna get to Reed Forgrave in just a minute, who's live from Minneapolis to kind of get his thoughts on the national championship game. But before we get to him, I did want to hit on with you, Rajah, just the end of that uh, Auburn-Virginia game, which was kind of nuts. And the thing I don't love about it is I never – I hate when games come down when the officials are a huge part of the storyline. But that's exactly what you had unfold as there was a – there were a couple calls. You had – first of all, let's, let's start – let's go like in chronological order. So you had the, uh, the game itself, and then you had the three-point attempt – uh, from Kyle Guy late in that game. Right. And he gets fouled. Right. You say 100% he was fouled. 100% fouled. No question about There's it. You don't no, have a problem with it. It's not even a debatable thing. He was fouled. That The guy left his feet. You could see him try to hold himself back from getting into Kyle Guy's body before he landed. He did not do that. And so he affected, look, he's up in the air. He's trying to stop on the closeout. Once he hits that right leg and throws his whole body uh, out of its plane, that being Kyle Guy, you've got to call foul. What is it? A ticky tack foul? No. It, you it, think it's a legit foul? That is a legitimate foul. You've affected a jump shooter in mid, in mid, uh, in mid air. Now, if a ref chose not to be the storyline and didn't blow his whistle on that, I don't know that I would have had a huge problem. See, that's what I was going to get to because then to me, that describes it as but a ticky tack foul. Not really. I mean, I guess I'm, I, like, a, a, the, a good ref has the stones to make that call. That is a foul. If you said in that situation, I don't want to be the guy that makes that call, I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with it. But it's not ticky-tack. That is a that is a foul. Any jump shooter in the air shooting that shot deserves that foul because he didn't have an opportunity to land. And and you know, shooting is all about um, you know, it, it's all about your balance. Mm-hmm. And you're up in the air. Once you release that ball, if you then get cracked in the side and you have to change everything about your release, it affects the shot. You have to call it. I don't, I, I, I would prefer in that game. Now this is people do not like this, uh, sentiment. I would rather see you keep the whistle in your mouth and, and swallow it than yeah. blow the whistle in that situation. Let them play. Even if it's a little bit more physical, then have it come down to a call. Now people hate that. Hey, if it's a foul in the first quarter, it's yeah. a foul at the end of the game. You know, I, never change your perspective I, on that. I am, I'm just saying if you didn't call it, I wouldn't have if I was a Virginia fan I'd be pissed but as a as a fan watching the game I don't know that I would have had a huge problem with you deciding not to call that having said that I thought it was a foul and you know you you just if you're a Virginia if you're if you're a Auburn fan you feel like double screwed because yes you had Ty Jerome bringing the ball up the court now this happened in, in real time it was really hard I didn't even know what had happened right nobody did like the the broadcasters doing the game had no idea right he had a look, dribbles off his back foot. Once he picks it up with both hands, it's a, it's a, it's a, done. Yeah. He's done with his, his dribble. dribble is over. Yep. I um, think this is like, cause people, I, you know, I was listening to some other talk radio show saying, I didn't know this rule. That's as basic a double dribble as it gets, isn't it? It just happened so fast that you, it, I think that everybody just kind of stunned them. It happened really quick. Not sure if the ref, I mean, maybe he, he wasn't watching the, you know, he's right there on top of it. <laughs> he's right there. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. He blew that. So they blew. I mean, you turn around. So to your point, 
If you said, hey, man, I just gifted this opportunity to Virginia. I'm not going to give them free throws on the foul to even it out. I don't love that because I think it, it starts to wear away at the integrity of the, the refing. So I don't believe in the, hey, I owe you one. Let me not call it. Right. But if you made that call and you swallowed your whistle in that in that situation because you blew the double dribble, hey, so be it. All right. Let's get out to Minneapolis and get our guy Reed Forgrave to weigh on this with us. Uh, he's got a little hometown game for him out there covering the Final Four this weekend. Make sure you follow him on uh, Twitter, at Reed Forgrave. He covers college hoops for us and the NBA right here at CBS Sports. So, Reed, we were just talking about the tail end of that Auburn-Virginia game. What were your thoughts on kind of the officiating becoming the main storyline of that of that finish? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about two uh, discrete plays here. Let's talk about that foul first. It was a foul, period. Bruce Pearl lost his mind on the sidelines. Like, we thought we, the dude was going to have a heart attack, but it was a foul. It was a uh, ticky-tack or not ticky-tack. He affected the shooting motion. Basketball ultimately is not a contact sport. If you read the uh, Naismith's original 13 rules of basketball, it is not meant to be a contact sport. There was contact in the middle of the shot. It's a brutal foul. I feel awful, awful for the Auburn player who committed that foul. But it's a foul. The more important play, if you are an Auburn fan, is that double dribble. And I think what you guys just brought up is central to this. Tony Bennett's being interviewed after the game. He doesn't even bring it up. Tracy Wilson does not bring it up to him. Uh, it, Bruce Pearl doesn't bring it up until after he has time to see the replay. It happens so quickly. Now, if you look at that replay, and if you can stare about 15 feet away, there he is, that good-looking fellow right there. That's Reed Forgrave. That's me, 15 <laughs> feet away. I actually had the perfect angle to see that double dribble. I caught it, and I was like, that's a double dribble. But everything's happening so quickly, and it's in the heat of the moment that it wasn't something that I jump on Twitter and be like, anyone see that double dribble? I just, it just was something that registered in my head. Where the official was standing, you couldn't even tell. Now, there's a kind of a third hidden part of this that nobody's talking about, and it's that the defender, I believe it's Bryce Brown on Ty Jerome, kind of grabbed his jersey in the middle of that play. I, I was going back and forth with a NCAA ref on Twitter, and he said, not a foul because it didn't affect the play. But that e that would have been a ticky-tack foul, but you easily could have called a foul on Auburn in this play. I hate that the officials became a central part of the narrative of this game, but because of the way the game played out, I, it was almost inevitable. All right, so let's let's take the officials out. Let's put the spotlight back on the players. Um, obviously, Ty Jerome's been playing fantastic. Um, huge free throws for Kyle Guy. And I want you to put your NBA hat on for this. Neither one of those guys is probably the best pro prospect out of Virginia, right? Could that arguably DeAndre Hunter? Sure. Yeah, I, Ty Jerome is a borderline first-round pick. Uh, would not surprise me at all if he goes late in that first round. But DeAndre Hunter is the lottery pick guy. DeAndre Hunter might be a top-five pick guy. I'm not sure if he's helping himself during this NCAA tournament and becoming any higher in the draft. He might be hurting himself a little bit. Uh, what he is is sort of that, that Paul George-esque two-way player. The problem is, during this tournament, he's kind of floated. He hasn't been assertive. He has not been the best player on Virginia this entire tournament. We saw, after what was kind of just a very passive first half against Auburn, we saw him turn it on in the second half, play aggressively. They called some play for, plays for him right out of the locker room, and, and he was a key part to Virginia turning it up a little bit at the beginning of that second half. But yeah, DeAndre Hunter, there are certainly questions around his game. Uh, NBA people don't think of him as a superstar type player, but the way one scout described him to me is he could be the third or fourth best player on a really good basketball team. 
All right, Reed. So let's move it to tonight's game because you got an interesting matchup. I think, you know, some people, uh, especially maybe in the TV business are a little bit bummed saying, man, the rating might not be that great, but I think you got a great game, a defensive <laughs> battle to a couple, you know, teams that really put a, a emphasis on the defensive side of the court. Virginia's kind of going to put Tony, uh, Tony Bennett, get that over the hump win that kind of, you know, cements his legacy. Uh, Texas Tech is trying to ruin the party. Well, how do you see this matchup unfolding? Low scoring game? Do you agree with the number, which is at lowest that we've seen in the history? Uh, call me crazy. I'm going to put this number even lower than, wow. I think it's at 118, 118 and a half. Uh, I did a little bit of historical research, by the way, because uh, it's, you know, the last Monday of the college basketball season. It's all about history. Get these numbers, dude. 1941, lowest scoring NCAA tournament game, uh, NCAA title game ever. We all remember this game. Of course, Wisconsin beat Washington State 39 to 34. The lowest in the shot clock era was a game that caused a lot of hand wringing in college basketball. The 2011 game between UConn and Butler, an ugly rock fight of a game, 53 to 41. UConn wins that. That's 94 points. I think this goes over 94, but I think it goes under or right at what is the second lowest scoring game in, in college basketball, in title game history in the shot clock era. That would be 2014. UConn beats Kentucky, uh, 60 to 54. That's where I would actually set the, the over under at. I would take the over under, or take the under where it's currently set at. Now, as far as the way this game plays out, it's a fascinating game. Two amazing defenses. If you give our bosses a truth serum, I think they're probably picking Duke against UNC instead of Texas Tech, Virginia. But if you're talking to like high school basketball coaches who are trying to teach their players to play great fundamental defense, they're like, kids, watch this game because that Virginia and Texas Tech go about it completely differently. But these are two of the best defenses you'll ever see in college basketball. That's awesome. So I, you, you touch on the DeAndre Hunter thing. I do think that style of play offensively hinders him a little bit there in Virginia with what Tony Bennett tries to do. But let's flip to the other side of the national championship matchup and, and talk to me about Jarrett Culver, what he is as a player. Cause admittedly, I don't, I don't know much about him and why is he so intriguing to, uh, to NBA teams? Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, there's a question about him of what he does at an elite level, what he does. At the college level, he does everything really, really well. But he's not an elite shooter. He's not uh, an elite physical specimen, not an elite defender. He's very good at everything. So that is the main question around him. Uh, I asked I asked him the other day, I'm like, who is the guy, who are the guys that you've modeled your game after? And he gave the answers that every uh, person who grew up in this era would. He's like, ah, you know, I love MJ. I love Kobe. But then he gave what I thought was a really telling answer. He mentioned Jamal Crawford as someone that he models his game after. And I think that that is a really interesting point. You look at the build, he looks like a Jamal Crawford-type build. You look at the handle, he's got maybe not quite a Jamal Crawford-like handle, but you could see it developing into that. What he needs to do to really make it at the next level is shoot the three at a, you know, 37, 38% uh, pace. Maybe not an elite three-point shooter, but a guy who can open up the lanes for himself by having that threat of making a three. He shot, I think, 31, 32% from three this year. That's not going to cut it for him at the NBA level. But, I look, I think he is, you know, one, two, and three for the offensive game plan uh, for Texas Tech. Matt Mooney was the key on Saturday night's game. Jarrett Culver has to give Texas Tech a better performance than he did on Saturday night in order for Texas Tech to pull the it would be a slight upset although I am picking Texas Tech in this game nice uh, our boy Tim Doyle had me the lead pipe lock yeah. uh, last week I went in all in no, on that. Yeah, it was a nice day. I asked him he liked the same <laughs> one so Reed uh, likes Texas, uh, Texas Tech too good to note in case uh, you're investing in this game as they like to say uh, Reed I'm curious to get your thoughts on the story coming out of uh, 
This kind of relates to Duke with Michael Avenatti, the attorney who's, you know, in this scandal and he's got this, you know, lawsuit, uh, with Nike. They're accusing him of, um, what are they, what are they accusing him of? What's the term? I don't know. Uh, Tampering? No. <laughs> Fraud. Um, <laughs> when they hold him up for money. When improper you hold him up for money. Benefits. Oh, improper benefits. Uh, yes, yeah. Uh, so, so he's come out now and made these accusations saying that Zion Williamson's mother was, uh, paid, uh, you know, illegally by Nike. He's saying it runs all the way up. Uh, Coach K kind of flippantly just brushed it off. Do you think there's anything to hear that'll stick to Duke or is this just a guy throwing mud around? He's probably just a guy throwing mud around, and it doesn't mean that that mud is incorrect. Uh, I think the overall reaction in the college basketball community of a shoe company helping out a player, uh, whether the coaches knew or not know, I can sum it up in one word and one word only. Duh. I mean, the shoe companies have their claws so deep into college basketball. Uh, let's be honest. Like, what the Olympics did, I think, is the future model for college basketball. Uh, they said, we are still amateur athletes, but you can go make money off your endorsements. I don't think Michael Phelps being on the cover of a Wheaties box affects him in any way negatively as an amateur athlete. Look, I, I don't mean to bring politics into it, but it's inevitable when you're talking about the NCAA. To me, this is a lot like the marijuana discussion. Uh, college coaches have brought this up to me. It's happening anyway. Why not bring it above the board, eliminate that black market, and be able to regulate it? Uh, it is, I think, an unfortunate side part of this FBI case over the past year and a half that so much has been focused on the criminal aspect and not enough about what should the rules be. Should these rules be changed or should they be tweaked or are they working well as they are right now? All right, good stuff. Reed, extortion was the word that oh. I did not think of, and it's driving me nuts. But, hey, it's Monday. Reed, enjoy <laughs> the games, man. At least you got a nice commute home. <laughs> All right, good stuff out of Thanks, Reed Jasper. there from Minneapolis. Uh, the Duke thing, I don't – like when it when the first story came out, uh, there was all these rumors that you're going to see Hall of Fame coaches mm-hmm. and it's going to impact the biggest names in basketball. And then, you know – it kind of was a dud a little bit, and you thought it was going to change this the face of basketball. And it's kind of gone by the wayside. This is the bombshell, if there was truth to this. But I do totally agree with Reed. I think the way that it's going to change is it will become the Olympic model, which is probably the smart way to go. And you know, just just monitor it. I don't think in football it would make that much of a difference at all. I think you'd see a handful of guys get some money, right? Um, so I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, I, this is my inner conspiracy theorist. I believe that. There is so much information that they have right now. And at the end of the day, people sat around and said, do we want to blow the lid off of something that has been wildly successful for the past, I don't know, what, yeah, for 70, 80 years? Yeah, I, I don't mean, know. Really since television, because um, television's what, what made it blow up. Right. And once you get, once you get, I, I have always said, I believe that everyone at that level, if you want to find dirt on them, you're going to find it. Yep. Now, you know, I don't know that you've got, you know, head coaches of, of those guys caliber out there. You know, horse trading and pain. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that if you're dealing in five star recruits all the time, somebody somewhere, if you want to find it, I think you can find it. This is just my personal opinion. I've got right. no factual evidence to back that up. When they got into that FBI thing, they probably found that out too. Like, Jesus, this is a lot deeper than 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 we ever thought it was. Right. Um, it's not just the sleazy programs. Or no, ones that this look dirty. This are some pristine programs that everybody. This is the norm. Right. This is what's happening. Do we want to tear down the whole? the whole NCAA basketball world. And I don't think they wanted to do that. So t- why, why they didn't call everybody out, I think is, is because 
you know, once they got in, they figured, oh my God, we've got much more going on here than we ever thought was happening. And I personally don't have a beef with it. I'm cool with it. Right. And this has nothing to do with Coach K specifically, but I think any coach who's a, you know, maybe a Hall of Fame coach or a successful coach is probably smart enough to keep it at arm's length and say, I don't want to know, you know, and have something that says, don't, I don't, I can't have any implication in this. Absolutely. And you don't, and you're protected, but that doesn't mean it's not going on. Doesn't mean it's not going on. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, plus live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right, what's going on? Welcome back to uh, Ken Allen Bell. I need, uh, before we get to Antonio Brown, we're going to break down all of his uh, Twitter beef with uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, I have some parenting advice. I'm in need of parenting oh, guidance here. Oh, man, here we go. Talk, let's Because both of us are very into our kids' sports. I think we pride ourselves on being good parents, uh-huh. you know, steering them in the right direction, trying to raise them the right way. We don't want entitled brats. Sure. Make them work for it. want to yeah. make them earn, you know, all that type of stuff. So I was caddying for my daughter yesterday uh, in a golf tournament. I caddy for it. It's one of my favorite things I can do. Sure. She's struggling mentally to stay positive. She gets really down on herself. She gets really angry, and it drives me nuts because I'm Mr. Positive. And I'll be like, hey, keep your head up. You know, right. Let's go. You got to get back on track. So we were doing this. She was playing great. She was like two over par through seven holes. Yep. And so that's really good. Like she had, But she was struggling with yeah. like throughout. She would get upset, and I'm just like, relax. Will you just relax? Yeah. I'm like, I don't care what you shoot. Just have fun. Enjoy it. Try your hardest. Yeah. Let's go. So we get to this one hole, and another girl hits this amazing chip-in shot yeah. on the side. Mm-hmm. Holds it out for birdie. My daughter goes, oh, dang it. Like, out loud. Yeah. And I was like, all right, we can't do that. Right. And I have told her before, you don't do that in golf. Right. Or really in anything. You don't root for somebody else to fail. You do what you can control. Correct. Right? You don't Correct. root for somebody else. So that bothered me, and I was upset with her. Then she, of course, because she's worried about what the other girl did, she missed her par putt and made bogey. Yep. So she gets up and she's ticked off. And I said something to her. I was like, "Camp." And I was walking to the next tee with her. I'm like, "I never want to see you do that again. I will take you off this course." Yes. If you if you do that while if somebody else hits a good shot, you tell them nice shot, and then you go try to make a better shot. Right. Try to birdie the next hole. So she said, "I'm so tired of you being my caddy. You're fired." <laughs> So there were two holes left. <laughs> I am asking you, one Rajah Bell, what would you have done? I would like to tell you that I would have grabbed her and walked off the course right then, but right. I I would not have because I wouldn't want to make a bigger spectacle out there than than we already had going on. I don't have a great answer for you. I wish you had told me this so I could think about that, no. right? But so this was the position you were in. Here's were, the way it played out yeah. with me. And it wasn't, there was only, like, it was kind of quiet between us because we were off. And so I was having this kind of, I didn't want to say it out loud yeah. to everybody else. So when she says this, I was getting irritated. 
She says you're fired. And I said, you know what? You can't fire me because I quit. Okay. Yes. Two holes left. Yeah. I took the, I, I went up to the other dads that were there. I said, Hey, I'm going to let her play by herself. Yeah. Keep an eye on her. Make sure she keeps score correctly. I'll meet you in afterwards. I'm like, we're just having a disagreement. Like, I'll meet you afterwards. Said to the other dad, didn't say anything to my daughter. Yeah. I said, here's your cart. You can push it. Yeah. You can clean your clubs. You can do all that. Went in and said, see you later. For you, bro. Because I didn't want to pull, it Absolutely. wasn't bad enough for me to pull her off because I, I thought about that. Yeah. There was a, there was a part of me that was going to pull her off and say, we're withdrawing. You're out of here. Correct. But I wanted to let her finish and let her, but I was like, there's no way I'm staying on her back with that crap. I thought you played that right. Right? Yeah, I thought you played that so very too. well. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. Uh, the, the ride home was an what hour was, and 15. Yeah, what was that? Long ride home. Ooh, because we got wait. in the car, it was still like, I didn't say anything. She actually ended up finished. She shot 39. Like yeah. she played pretty well. Uh, didn't say anything. Then about a half hour goes by. Our typical routine is we go, my wife doesn't listen, so it doesn't matter. We get Slurpees. Cause right. it's hot out right. and she loves Slurpees. So yeah. I went, Got a Slurpee. None for you. her. And I was like, mmm, this yeah. is a good Slurpee. <laughs> Just re- reveling in it, right? That I'm fired. So she didn't say anything. Yeah. Then we called my wife and she asked how to go. And I started explaining to her. And then I heard the outburst from the back seat. My daughter, my, she's like, dad embarrassed me. He quit on me. And I was like, no, 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 no. I was fired. Right. And so that was my story from the golf. Oh, we got to follow up. This yeah, is we'll, a week, this we'll is a week long conversation. So now it's, now we're up for grabs. Who's going to caddy for her next time? She's never wanted her mom to caddy for her because her mom has more of a temper than I do. Like, yeah. I'll be going at it. Yeah. That so sometimes we'll, we'll you get, get what you ask for, right? Danny, exactly. I got some bad news. Everybody in the control room is team cam. What? Oh, team cam. Yeah. We you guys are crazy. No one you one acted, you children. acted like the child there. No one in there has children or <laughs> plays golf. Like Thank you. No one knows about golf etiquette, period. <laughs> uh, speaking of golf etiquette, we're going to get to the Masters later in the show. We're going to finish off the show with that. Patrons. Masters week. I can't fit. Yeah. We got all our terminology yeah. correct. So we make sure we say it right. So we don't uh, get kicked off the air when anytime we want to talk about Augusta. But before we get to that, Antonio Brown is quickly becoming the most unlikable guy in the NFL. I thought before you could have said, well, people that don't like him, you know, are your old school fans who just don't like new school players who have more control. And I think that would have been a fair assessment. Like you could have said that. Now I think Antonio Brown is doing some things that I think cross a lot of lines. And I think even within the NFL, Players are looking at him saying, man, I'm glad that guy's not on my team. Yeah. So he was tweeting, as most guys do. He put out like a, a bit of advice. Keep your emotions off the internet, right? So he goes out there, tweets that. And Antonio Brown has been taking a lot of heat from Steelers fans. Mm-hmm. Like, you're a baby, all this. So all of a sudden, his timeline gets blasted with Steelers fans coming at him left yeah. and right. One Steeler fan tweets at him and says, we don't need you anymore. Puts a, a little picture up that says Juju Smith Schuster, MVP of, of the, the 2018 team. season. Yeah. So yeah, good. We don't need you. Uh, which we have a look up right now. There you go. So Antonio Brown responded to that tweet by saying emotion. What is that? A colon? Semicolon? That's a colon, right? Boy fumbled the whole postseason in the biggest game of the year. Everyone went blind, too busy making guys famous. Not enough reality these days. By the way, check the list. Not exactly sure. I think he won the MVP season uh four times, so I think that's what he's referring to. Yeah. But ultimately, he threw his former teammate under the bus. And Juju Smith sir at Juju Smith Schuster has handled everything as good as you could have wanted. Thanked Antonio Brown, like spoke highly of him, congratulated him on his move. 
And then he said, I'm ready to take over. Yeah. Like nothing didn't ever say anything bad about Antonio Brown. Well, Juju was like, I got to defend myself. So he comes out in response to Juju, which I actually like. And he said, keep your emotions off the internet. Boom. Which, which is exactly what he should have done because that's, that was uh, Antonio Brown's original tweet. And then he said, he followed it up with, all I ever did was show that man love and respect from the moment I got to the league. I was genuinely happy for him, too, when he got traded to Oakland with a big contract. And now he takes shots at me on social media. Crazy how big that ego got to be to take shots at the people who show you love. SMH. And then he followed it up with the hammer at the end. Never argue with a fool. Onlooker, onlookers may not be able to tell the difference. I need to take note of that one when I'm arguing with people on Twitter. Yeah. That happened to me over the weekend. But I, um, this, I, I, I like, if you're the Raiders, I think there's some part of you that's like, what did we get ourselves into? Yeah. Um, you could be saying that, but there's nothing you can really do about it if you're the Raiders. Like right. at this point, like, he's going to do what he does. You, you bought into that. Uh, you knew what the situation was when you brought him here. Um, yeah, we would have all liked Antonio Brown to stop tweeting about a month ago when he was digging the hole, you know, once you got traded and, 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 and you got your new deal and all that kind of stuff, just be done with it, you know? Um, but he is who he is. So if you're the Raiders, you, you've, you've decided that it's worth it, mm-hmm. right? We talk about like the, the risk versus reward or the upside versus the problems, whatever you want to call it. You've deemed that that is a, a gamble that you're willing to take. So live with that. Juju Smith Schuster, what I would say to that is the only, I would have, re- I would have rather him just put out, like, you could even just put the keep your emotions off the internet and then put the quote. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know that you have to respond because you, you responded to him, right? Like, I would have even rather if he just put the quote up there. Like, don't argue with fools because people from afar won't be able to tell the difference. Right. That would have been perfect. That would Just leave been. it dead, dead the whole thing. Because arguing with Antonio Brown, he, he thrives, he must thrive and, and just be fueled by the, 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 the social media stuff. Otherwise, you know, why would he be out there doing it? To engage him in something like that, I, I feel like you're lowering, you're lowering yourself if you're Juju Smith Schuster. If you've done everything correct, he was your vet, you deferred to him, like you learned from him, you, you treated him with the type of respect that vets deserve and you did everything right. Don't now get into the mud with him and start slinging it. Just put that, put that up there and keep it moving Juju Smith Schuster. And Antonio Brown, it's one thing for everybody else to, to hate you. Media, um, old curmudgeons like you and myself sometimes, right. people like that. When people in your league, your peers, they don't want you on your team, they think it's a distraction and they're starting to hate on you, you got a problem. And you you are right on the precipice of having most of the league hate you right now. Right. It sure does feel that way uh, with Antonio Brown. I think it's going to be interesting to see what plays out because I think he's a selfish player who's more worried about – and there's nothing worried about – there's nothing wrong with trying to get yours, to get your money. Right. But I think he's made it where it takes priority over everything. It takes priority over winning, which it should be because my thing has always been if you win, the rest will take care of itself. Right. Now, there are some circumstances where if you need to hold out, then that's part of the business. Everybody realize even your teammates will mm-hmm. understand that they would never view if because everybody's played with players that have held out to get more money. No player ever has a problem with that. Right. But if you make it public, if you start, to start taking shots at other players on your team, yeah, it's a bad look. then it's a whole nother ball game. Terrible look. And you should never go there. And let, me, I, let me ask you a question. And it, I feel like the receiver position, you can be selfish and not have it take away from winning. Am I crazy for that? I mean, what you don't control the ball. 
You're only going to get it when the quarterback decides he wants to get it to you. What what does selfish look like from a receiver standpoint? What are you talking about? Running, just not running your routes, not not buying into. Yeah, yeah? I I I think it can be complaining about catches after a win. Right. You know, like I think that's kind of messed up. I think it can be not running your routes on the backside if you think you're not in that play. It can be not wanting to block on run plays. Got it. Like there are a bunch of different ways you could do it. Right. And I think he's done all of them. You know, like he's blown it all up. Unfortunate. Uh, Justin Reed uh, for the Texans safety. Uh, I love that he tweeted out. This is kind of speaks to the the overall narrative of Antonio Brown. Doesn't play on his team. I respect this game, but I can't wait to smash this dude. Yeah, that's no need it. for that. And that was when he was calling out Juju Smith. Yeah, that's because yeah, it's kind of a code. It, a you bad don't, look. You don't mess with your former teammates. You don't really. I mean, it's just he kind of made it personal. Right. That was kind of messed up. All right, welcome back, Ken Ellen Bell. So spring football is in full force. They had a lot of spring games this weekend. Clemson was taking place. You had screen, uh, spring scrimmages. Uh, it's awesome because it's great. I mean, yeah. college football is right around the corner, which I can't wait. Uh, but it's also when you're figuring out your depth charts, you got quarterback battles taking place. And if you're Alabama, you're reloading the uh, cabinet, so mm-hmm. to speak, because you got a bunch of dudes that are, you know, four and five stars. You've been recruiting early enrollees, all of these types of things. But, uh, that doesn't mean Nick Saban's happy. He's rarely happy, right? He's always got a, uh, some issue that he wants to get off his chest. Right. He was asked, um, about early defections to the NFL and how it affected spring ball. Now, Nick Saban is well known to send messages through the media to his players. Right. And I think this was one of those circumstances, uh, circumstances. He went off for four minutes on a rant about players leaving early. I agree with Nick Saban on 90% of what he said. Mm-hmm. So he goes off and he said he was so he was uh, pointing to s- statistics that state around 25% of un- underclassmen don't get drafted while another 25% of them are out of the league in 3 years. Uh followed with uh, that means 50% of the guys that went out early for the draft had failed careers. But if you look at the number of guys that were first or second round draft picks, there were very few guys that had failed careers. He's 100% spot on on, on that. Teams are more likely to give you a little bit more leeway if they invested a first or second round pick in you. Uh, so we continued on. Now we have guys that have no draft grades, seventh round grades, free agent grades, fifth round grades that are going out of the draft. And the person that loses in that is the player. Again, I think Nick Saban is spot on. Here's where he lost me somewhat. Because he had a couple guys this year leaving Damian Harris, Isaiah Bugs. They're a little bit, you know, there's a lot of speculation where other oh, seniors, though, uh, where they're going to come out. But he's had this issue of where these guys are going to go. Right. Then he continued and he said, if you were a third round pick and we had one last year, I'm not mentioning any names, goes and starts for his team. So he's making third round money, which is not that great. He'd be the first guy taken at his position this year, probably, and make 15 to 18 million dollars more. This is where I have a little bit of a problem, and I would disagree with him also on the financial aspect. Right. He's speaking about Ronnie Harrison, who was drafted third round starting for the Jaguars. Um, and Ronnie Harrison didn't let it go, by the way. We're going to get to his tweet in just a second. Um, I don't necessarily think he's right on this one because if you go as a third rounder and you get taken in the first round the next year, the only way it's going to be a 15 to $18 million difference is if you're a top five pick. Right. And I don't necessarily know if that, if you're going to be able to, improve your draft stock that much as any other position except quarterback. If it's a quarterback, you can make that type of jump. As a position player, I don't think you can. Let me, I don't know. I'm, I'm asking the question about NFL versus NBA. You can make a case that if you're going to be a diamond in the rough type of player and you're drafted in the second round of the NBA, it, it makes more sense 
to to be a a starter and a second round pick because you'll you'll get that payday that next year. They only have your rights for like a like two years. Correct. So you get an opportunity to hit that big lottery quicker than if you were locked into a four year deal as the twenty first pick in the first round. Like you do. right? Yeah, same thing. So if you're a third round pick, you'll be able to reach free agency or faster than you would as a first round pick. Right. So there. Well, if you're going to be a fledgling first round pick, middle of the pack first round type of money, uh, and you're going to be a star early, it might make sense for you to be the third round pick and get right. that free agency quicker. But I do agree with Saban that a lot, like if you look statistically, sure. that third round, fourth round, fifth round picks, a lot of them get cut. Yep. Like the chances that you're going to be you're that star and just hit the payday mm-hmm. are going to be, you know, unlikely. Well, the, uh, not to cut you off, but we talk about this all the time. There's no recipe for, for, for what's right for everyone. Like everyone's circumstances are different. Mm-hmm. Um, and to some degree, I feel this way about Nick Saban, Mike Krzyzewski and Calipari have kind of gotten over it. When, when, when you trade in, in five star picks, you have to be okay with that. Yep. They're going to leave. Like they're going to chase those dreams. Like that's what they're doing it for. Third, like three stars, uh, two stars. Yeah. You're going to have them for their whole career. They'll be there. They'll, they'll be Bama guys and five, five star guys. When you're dealing and trading in those guys, you got to be cool with some of them walking away and choosing to go pro. It's, it's, it's what you signed up for. See, I think this is where I think Saban is being miscast in this spot. Like, cause some people are saying, oh, he's selfish. He just wants the players to return. I don't think, I think if Saban was sitting down with players, I think he would sit down with each one and I think he would look at their cases and I think he would give them good advice right i think there's if there's a guy that's going to be a top 15 pick pick he's going to tell him every single time go go get your money you've right. done it you've earned it there's nowhere you can't get any better go pro i think if you're a, a even if he doesn't pick, have a good backup for him i do i honestly do, do because you? most time they're going to have a good backup all right like, but, <laughs> but i honestly do think he would because you know, you know why else because it's good for the program. Sure. Like the more first round picks you have, you're going to be out. Every school does it. They have these brochures they put out, these flyers, and it says all the draft picks, how much they've signed for, True. how many players you have in the NFL. Like that's a good thing. And I think Saban gives out pretty good advice. Some guys don't want to hear good advice. They want the agents who tell them, Oh, you're, you're, you're going to be a second round pick. You know, maybe you're here in fifth, but I, I can send you to this guy, this trainer in South Florida who's going to help you in your 40 time. And then within two months, you're going to, that doesn't happen. Right. By the way, if you're a player, don't ever listen to an agent who says he can get you drafted higher. They can't. No agent can do that. I don't care if it's the best agent in the world. It has to be you, what you've done on tape. Um, so that's where I do think Nick Saban generally gives good advice to most of these kids coming out. Now, what you said about the uh, the, the nuance of each situation is different. Maybe there's a guy and his mom can't eat and he's got a kid, younger brother, who he's got to pay for, to go, yeah. you know. And he just says, you know what? I have to take this risk. Um, I have to try to go pro just so maybe I make league minimum so I can help my mom and I can help my family back home. Then it's a unique circumstance. And that's that's ultimately where I hate to see the system doesn't allow something where they can make some money so that they can make up for that. Like the Olympic model where right. some players might be able to get paid some. Like maybe it's twenty five grand. That's a lot of money to a family that's struggling Absolutely. to make, make ends meet. And Absolutely. so maybe that's the ultimate solution is that you can get to a place where um you know there is a solution so guys aren't forced to leave before they have to. Uh and Ronnie Harrison, by the way, and this is pretty unique because most players at Bama don't say anything negative about Nick Saban. They've had good experiences there. It helped him get to the NFL. But he knew exactly who he was talking about in this, and he was sure he was asked about it. So he took to Twitter, and he said, Coaches get so butthurt uh, nowadays about a kid making a decision to live out his dreams and go pro. Makes me think, you, do you really care about the success of the kid? Or... How well your program performs. Little shrug. Keep it 100. Yeah. Hashtag keep my name out your mouth. Bama, Saban, God, <laughs> yeah. got it. He's taking shots at him, but oh, again, 
There was I side. I think Saban spoke a lot of wisdom in those comments. I don't I really do. He could have, but you still didn't have to throw out. Everybody Agreed. knows who you're talking about. You, you could have just put out a blanket statement. You didn't have to say we had a kid. I'm not going to say a name. Third round pick it leads me to believe that there was a little something. There was there was a little uh, 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 beef there to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ain't got no problem with my man firing back at me. No, I mean, it, yeah, he he's not going to stay quiet about yeah. it. I actually, I mean, he, cool I that. like that he stood up for himself. Yeah. But I don't know if it's I don't know. It's a good conversation. I, I like it. No, I, I have no problem with Nick Saban. Um, it, it, it is his opinion, and and the numbers bear it out. Like, yeah. so if you're if you're if you're operating purely in a vacuum, like, yeah, that's sage advice. Um, but you're not. Like, there's circumstances that, that vary for everybody. And my only point is, like, when when you're making those statements and you're throwing out all those numbers, if you're Nick Saban, you don't have to you don't have to throw him under the bus. And I felt like he threw him under the bus, even though he didn't say his name. But he totally he used knew. an exact example. And when he said, we have a guy, yes. I'm not going to name names. Everybody can go look at the draft. Correct. Right? A third rounder who's starting now. All right. That's, that's what Harrison. you don't have to do. Exactly. You didn't have to do that at all. Uh, speaking of guys who did not get along, uh, let's do some baseball because you yeah. did have a circumstance yesterday with the Reds and Pirates were playing and we had another, we had a brawl. We, we had did not have a brawl. Guys, there was no brawl. There five was guys were a, ejected. It was not a single punch thrown. It was. This was your typical baseball brawl. So let's set it up for you because in the second inning, uh, you had Derek Dietrich, who was at the plate, hit a bomb off Chris Ugh. Archer. I love – see, I'm a fan of the the watching it over the bat flip. Like, I think it's way more subtle, and it's just as offensive to pitchers. Me both. Watch him when he comes around third base as he <laughs> runs it out. So he does it, watches it, admires it. Where's Bro. it going to land? Does it make it out of there? Takes <laughs> his – Oh, and next time, so Chris, next time he's up, Chris Archer throws it behind him. Right. Gets a warning, manager comes out and says, how's that a warning? Which is crazy because he should have had a warning. Yeah. And then all hell breaks loose as both teams come out there. But to your point, it was just a lot of dudes yelling and what we were saying before, much tobacco. Like chew, <laughs> chew all over everybody and spreading all over the place. We're yelling and I'm like, man, hey, if somebody really wants some action, there are a lot of faces right there. Right. Just tee off on one uh, of them. Exactly. Really want some exactly. There could have been some punches thrown <laughs> in that one. Chris Archer after. This is what I think is comical. When pitchers clearly are trying to throw at him, he said, I was just trying to go inside. I air made a, I air mailed a couple balls today, a couple that I was trying to elevate, a couple that I yanked yeah. when righties were up there, another one that I just yanked. I missed. I missed my spot. Now he's right. He might have missed his spot because he wanted to drill him right in the butt. Right. Like that's your safest, like below the waist. You want to nail him in the legs. Uh, so maybe he was right on missing his spot, but he was definitely going inside. And then Yasiel Puig had this to say. And this is where you get to the issue of bat flips and yeah. watching home runs. When people watch the ball go far away or do bat flips like I do before in the next at bat, try to strike the guy, strike out the guy. Don't try to hit the guy because we can't defend you back because we can't hit you with a bat or nothing. Well, I mean, it's all the full circle like yeah, argument I mean, that goes around was, in baseball. But I'm with that. If you're a pitcher and you don't strike, why? Why? Again, this is one. I, let me think about it for a while and come up with a rule. But how are you going to be able to damn just bean me with a baseball? And I, you, <laughs> well, you understand what I'm saying? Like yeah. you're pitching, and the, the 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 competition is whether I can hit your pitch or not. So don't be mad if I jack your pitch over the wall. Like you're you're you're. Your redemption for that should be to strike me out the next time. I agree with I agree with the Yasiel Puig not to hit me with the damn ball. I I have no way of. But of sport, I gotta fight you now. That's yeah, the only thing I, I can do. I want more brawls. I want more of them in baseball. Oh no, I feel you. I'm just saying, like as a pitcher, if, if you're if you're going to throw behind somebody and you don't expect for them to come out there and try to rearrange your face, you're crazy. What you're throwing a, a hard ass ball at them a thousand miles an hour from ten feet away. Yeah, they're going to want to fight you, and they should. They got sixty. 
It's part of the game. You get hit, you wear it, and you go, yeah, 66 uh, six inches. Danny, uh, you know the Danny, best part Danny, about it? What? Before what? we go to break, I, I found something that's pretty interesting that I think you and Raj will like. What do you got? So, when all those players from Alabama left for the draft last January, I found this this nice little quote, that's what the internet's for, from Nick Saban. We've got some young men here today that have done a fantastic job for the University of Alabama, not only in what they've been able to accomplish on the field, but what they've represented the university, the football program, off the field as well. From a business standpoint, this is a good decision for them. Ooh. Now it's a good decision. Um, now it was a good decision, but now it's not. But that he was talking about the entirety of the class, right? He was saying this no, class. because this this is from all the the early entrants that they have. This was Ronnie Harrison's class. Oh, this was Ronnie Harrison's class. Yes, interesting. Yeah, interesting, huh? You talk enough before the media, you're going to get caught up. Like, I trust me. You go find some stuff I said that makes me look like yeah, a fool. Dude. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, I mean, ultimately, I do think at that time he was probably like, "Hey, this is a good thing," but. And that's all. Class he, is that's, different. That's all he can say at that press conference. Look, when they're when they're asking, when he's at the press conference introducing the guys that are coming out early, he cannot get up there and say, "Hey, this is a bad decision." Right. Look, these are first world problems for Nick Saban. Yeah. These are rich people problems. Correct. This is. I have all these five stars. Sometimes I'm going to lose some. And mm-hmm. when you have a culture that breeds NFL players, that's a great thing. But it's all they start talking and they start saying, "Hey, I left early. You can leave early. Yeah. You know, it's great getting paid. Like even if you only make." A couple hundred grand is better than making nothing. Like yeah. they start talking, you know. Shashevsky, Calipari, all of those dudes in the in, in like the one and done uh, NCAA men's basketball. It's it's a like it's what you sign up for when you start dealing in five stars. It's you you have to get used to it. You got to be cool with it. You're gonna some may stay an extra year, most won't, and that's the way it goes. Yep, absolutely. And if you genuinely tried to talk first round picks out of going out of going to the NFL draft, you would never get another one to yeah. go to your college. Right. You have to let them go right. uh, when they're coming out. All right, welcome back, Canelo Bell. It is Masters Week. I found a great photo of Arnold Palmer at the Masters when he was playing uh, that I tweeted out. I, I love the tradition. Uh, look at him just ripping a cig on the first tee box, ah, like just hanging out there, just, just looking good, just yeah. chilling, waiting for the next group in front of him. Um, but before we uh, dive into the Masters uh-huh. content, I want to make sure you're aware of what we can and cannot and say. These, we are and contractually obligated. Yes, like we will get ripped off the air and they will replace us with a couple golf nerds if we don't like hold on. We both love golf, yes. but we don't want that to unfold. Okay. So, we only say, we will only say this week, patrons. When when we're referring to the people that are there. Exactly. We will never say or write fans, gallery, you or ju- crowd. Bro. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, these are the rules that I'm reading. All right. Patrons also wear patron badges. I was not aware of that. Oh, so good for you. Make sure we say that. Right. And when uh, when we refer to the grass that's a little bit higher than the rest, yep. we call that the second cut. Second cut. At Augusta National, deeper grass surrounding fairways that all golfers want to avoid is never referred to as... The R word. The R word. Yeah. That's great because we will not say the R word. <laughs> the we will say the second, second cut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you play golf... You play 18 holes and uh-huh. it's divided by two. When we talk about holes one through nine, they would be. We will call it the first nine, not the not the fr word. Exactly. Yeah, we right. call it the first nine, and then when they go play holes 10 through 18, we will call that the second nine. Are we allowed to use the 
turn? Can we say the turn? Are they making a turn or they're not? That's a good question. Turn? I think the turn is fair game. Yeah, the turn is fair game. The turn is fair game. But All there right. have been broadcasters, and not because of these terms, but because they tried to get too cute with some of the terms sure. that were removed from broadcast. This is a very allowed. real thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is a crazy. real thing. So yeah. we will be, uh, we will mind our P's and Q's when mm-hmm. we're talking about Augusta. Uh, so let's look at some of the odds because Roy McElroy is the favorite, uh, right now at seven to one. He's playing great. Uh, won the, uh, TPC, right? Yeah. When he, uh, went out there was really impressive. Dustin Johnson is, uh, second 10 to one odds. Justin Rose, 12 to one. Tiger Woods checks in at 14 to one. Here's my thing with Tiger. Justin Thomas, 16 to one. Ricky Fowler, 16 to one as well. I'll give you some of my picks throughout the week. Here's what I did with Tiger. I think I told you this. He was plus 270 to win any major this year. Yeah. I like that bet better than I like Tiger Woods at 14 to 1 to win this tournament. I love him. I'll be rooting for him. I think he has a legitimate chance to win. Some people might say you're crazy. I think his game is coming along fine and he's getting just where he needs to be. Uh, the putt that he missed at the WGC. Yeah, it was a bad putt. You don't see Tiger miss that. But he put it great throughout the tournament. Was hitting his irons really good. I think he'll be in contention on Sunday. When I say contention, I say like top fifteen. You know, maybe even top ten, and it'd be even better if it was something. I hope you're right. I said I'm I'm really pulling for him to get off to a quick start and just be up there for the whole tournament. This is the one tournament though, because I am kind of Tiger centric when it comes to my golf watching. Yeah, the viewing. If he's not around on a weekend, even in a major, like let's say it's the, the the Open Championship or the U.S. whatever it is, I might not be glued to it. I might just be casually watching it as I'm moving around the house. The Masters, I'm there for every like stroke, for every bit of coverage, whether Tiger's in it or not. It's the one tournament that I am going to be glued to, no matter who's coming in down to the stretch, whether it's a whether it's tight, whether it's a last hole type of decision. Like I, I just like watching the Masters. Yeah, I I, I love it. I and it's something about it, just the quietness, and there's. Not a lot of commercials, yeah. commercial free, and it's just soothing. You know, yep. I might fall asleep while I'm watching. Yeah, right, you're too, real you know, like, but you're sitting there. It's just, it's just peaceful. You got the azaleas blooming. Uh, I can't wait to see if Ricky Fowler, uh, has a breakthrough. A guy who's never won a major before, trying to see if he can get there. Brooks Kepka, who last year won two out of four majors. It's insane how he kind of flies under the yeah. radar. Um, if you need a place to watch it, you can get direct streaming access on your phone or computer to live coverage all day for each round of the Masters. We've got four different streams you can choose between whether you want the feature groups of the day amen corner or holes 15 and 16 it's even got the practice range if you want to see the pros warm up the best part is that it's entirely fee- free all you have to do is download the cbs sports app on your phone or visit cbssports.com slash masters first cut be sure to tune in to watch kyle porter on cbs sports hq our free 24 sports uh 24 hour sports news network give, will be reporting live from augusta all week long give me a name that i wouldn't necessarily think of that you think might. well i don't you you're pretty you know john rahm is right yeah i know john rahm. State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. i think he's a guy to watch out for mm-hmm. he's been getting better and better he had a great uh week at uh sawgrass as yeah. well which is kind of the fifth major that's why i kind of look at it. it's like right you know it's, it's the biggest purse on tour i like him tommy fleetwood is another one the long-haired dude yeah i think he's a guy who's prime by the way, when I said I took Tiger for those four majors, that bet, I took Tommy Fleetwood and John Rahm as well for guys to take of the entirety of the year. Yeah, for, for not only are you just stuck with one weekend, you get the all four majors. Yeah, that so makes you sense. get a little bit of uh, action at all of them. Um, tonight's game, Virginia, Texas Tech. Who you got? Virginia's a one point favorite. Golly, man. I just, uh, it's hard to bet against Texas Tech because they got the Cinderella thing going on, but I do think Virginia wins it. I think they're, I think they're on a mission after last year being the first one seed to lose to a 16. I think they're going to win. They feel like it. Texas Tech's playing loose, though. They're playing with house yeah, money. Um, our boy Tim Doyle, right here is a basketball analyst for mm-hmm. us on CBS Sports HQ. 
gave us the lead pipe lock. I tweeted at him. He said he was 10 of 10 confidence on that one. He said he's going with Texas Tech again in the upset, really? but he's only a 7 of 10. Mm-hmm. So take it for what it's worth. Yeah. The other thing, everybody's talking about this being a low-scoring game. I'm taking the over. I got it at 117 and a half. Really? I think it'll be tight around there, but I think they're going to go over. Way too many people are stating the obvious. Oh, it's going to be low scoring. That's when people are usually wrong, when everybody's thinking the same way. So that's the way I'm rolling. DeAndre Hunter and Jared Culver, whoever plays better in this game, their team is going to win. Boom. We'll break it down tomorrow.